Christians are torn if prenups are biblical or not. To be or not to be, that is the question. Well, the question that William Shakespeare asks, but to prenupt or not to prenupt is what Christians are asking. Today, we're going to look at it from a biblical perspective and also from a financial one. But before we begin, let's establish this relationship to make sure that we are aligned. Do you, listener, take this show to be your lawfully wedded podcast to love, to cherish, and to subscribe for all of your podcast listening life? You do? Well, with the power invested in me by the firm AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, I now pronounce you host and listener. Now that it's official, let's start the show. As Christians, we were taught to be good stewards over our tithing and giving to the less fortunate. But when it came to our own personal finances and investments, we are clueless on what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about managing debt, leaving a legacy, investing, or even planning for retirement? We answer these and many other questions because we want to teach you how to be rich and righteous. If this is your first time to the show, we want to say welcome. If you're coming back for another spiritual refill, welcome back. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and this is Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I am your host, A.B. Ridgeway, and I want to welcome you to Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. As always, let's start off with a biblical principle by which this show will be conducted. It comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, this is the earliest introduction that we receive in the Bible, the 24th verse of the second chapter. First, God creates the universe, and then he creates the concept of marriage. Definitely high on God's to-do list. But today... We're going to talk about the concept of prenuptial agreements because many Christians are torn between if they have any biblical significance and if they choose to create one, are they going against the word of God? Well, first, let's be very clear here. There's no mention of prenuptial agreements as the word states, as we know it in the Bible, but the concept is there. The use of prenuptials for the purpose of marriage was actually solidified in 1848 when New York State passed the Married Woman's Property Act, which ensures that married women would inherit their husband's estate. But 2,000 years prior to that, Hebrews used a marriage contract called a ketubah. The ketubah lists all the details of the wedding, the date, the name of the bride and groom, and many more kind of details. It also outlines what the couple owes each other during their marriage, and is considered to be of Mosaic origin. Now, most of you may be familiar with the word dowry, which is a payment a groom would pay because women didn't really work. This dowry would be given to the father. Now, not just for a bride price, as if she was being kind of bought and sold, not in that manner, but more of an investment that the father would take the dowry, invest it, allow it to grow, and then give it to the daughter in case the couple divorced. Now that we have a little background, let's compare some of the popular arguments for and against prenuptial agreements. We'll be discussing biblical reasons and financial reasons as well, so if the lines get a little blurry, I apologize. 
but let's start with the pros or the four arguments. So the first is that prenups protect the assets of the spouse in case of bankruptcy or the other spouse gets sued. Now we all know that people are kind of sue happy nowadays, right? Everywhere you go, somebody wants to put you in court for defamation or whatever it may be. And the innocent spouse wants to protect their assets. And not just to keep them from themselves, we hope, but can share with the spouse while the financial lawsuits dust settles. It's actually an intelligent financial move, especially if you're in an industry that loves to file lawsuits. Lawyers. <coughs> Excuse me. Kind of clear my throat. Number two, in theory, a prenup can also be used as kind of a financial guardrail as such, where the richer spouse is less likely to commit marriage-ending acts in order to protect their assets. Now, just keep in mind, this rarely plays out in real life, and it's kind of a weak argument, in my opinion, but it is on some of the mind of some of the spouses out there. But this idea, or this intent, goes against biblical principles where the love of money is greater than the love of the spouse. So this is not really my favorite pro for prenups, but it uses the fear of losing money instead of the fear of God and respect for your marriage. And that's why it's not really on my top list here. Number three. Now we're going to look at the other side of that coin here. A prenup can be used as a signal from the poor spouse that they do love the richer spouse and not just for their money. So in these cases, the intent is more important than the actual document or execution. And finally, just one additional point here, inheritance. Now, when you're dealing with blended families, those who may have children from a prior marriage, you want to make sure that your biological kids receive the inheritance they deserve and a prenup can do that for you. So let's move on just a little bit here for why people don't like prenups. Why they get such a bad name? Because statistics are showing that even though people are getting married at higher rates, only a few percentage of people actually engage in prenups. And let's see what they say here. Well, let's break this down from a biblical perspective first. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 14, verse 28, that reads, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it? Now, we traditionally treat this scripture as a justification for having a financial plan before we start investing. Our firm is actually based on this same scripture, where we want to find out about you first, because only then we can determine how much you can actually invest. Now, most advisors want everything that you'll be willing to give them. Oh, you have 500000 Let's invest 500000 Oh, let's invest that, right? But that's not based on biblical principles. There is a concept I like to talk about. It's asset allocation, but also asset location. And every dollar that you have to your name does not need to end up in investing. Sometimes it's short term, sometimes it's a sucking fun, sometimes it's for inheritance, sometimes it's for a future purchase. All those things matter. So let's just keep that in mind here. And that's why that scripture is so important because we wanna sit down first and calculate where we need to put things before we start just talking about what we could do with your money and how we can you know, grow it and all that kind of fun stuff here, right? So that is the scripture. But in this situation, we're going to discuss the planning of the prenup and how focusing on the kind of what ifs of divorce is almost quote unquote planning for divorce. 
In today's scripture, uh, from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it reads, And they shall become one flesh. And having the prenup is opening the consideration that one day they will not be one flesh. And having a prenup is opening the consideration that one day they will not be one flesh. Even though during the vows, we attest that what God puts together, what? Let no man tear apart. Now, previously, we did kind of talk about this caveat under the for or the pro section as a negative. And I'm going to just kind of repeat myself just a little bit here. But most prenuptial agreements aren't designed to provide for the poor spouse, but to protect the assets of the richer spouse, which is selfish and not keeping in unity with the idea of marriage, right? But this is not necessarily true, and the prenuptial can be arranged any way that you wish. But just the idea that the property and assets are no longer shared as one causes some of us to feel, I guess, uncomfortable around them. And lastly, financial situations can actually change during the course of a marriage. The poor spouse may become the richer spouse. That is why it's important to revisit these arrangements and have an open discussion around them. Fights over money are the top conflict-driven predictor of divorce, according to a study by scholars at Utah State University and Kansas State University. So, as a Christian, what do you do? Is it biblical to have a prenup? Is it a financial risk not to have a prenup? It seems as if financial arrangements around marriage are in the Bible and have been attributed to Mosaic law. So what do we do? I don't have the answer for you right now, but I know somebody who does. I was recently featured in an article by Lucy Lazzaroni titled Married with Finances. Here's financial advice for the newlyweds. These tips will show newlyweds how to manage their finances. Now in this article, I stated, money is the top reason for divorce. So if you want to increase the probability of having a long, happy marriage, understanding each other's perspective about money should be at the top of the list. Do you agree? Ah, you probably heard me say that a million times. You're not impressed. <laughs> but for those who are hearing me for the first time, that's the type of information that I provide here on the podcast here, right? So hopefully it's something that you quote, something that you pass on, but let's keep going. And this idea here of making sure that financial decisions and finances are discussed early in the marriage, that's what prenuptials do. So they provide some clarity around your finances and allow you to have that conversation early and often. But watch this, in that same article, there is a prenuptial expert by the name of Kaylin Dillon, a certified financial planner and owner of Kaylin Dillon Financial Planning out of Lawrence, Kansas. We are currently actually working to get her on the show for you guys so she can break down further the concept of pre and post nuptial agreements. For all my listeners out there that maybe hadn't had a chance to read the article, um, let me read a little bit of the article here. Uh, it was published on Reviewed which is in the USA Today News Network. If you realize you're not quite on the same page financially, you can seek some legal protection for your personal finances. After you tie the knot, you can get a postnuptial agreement with your new spouse. Postnuptial agreements are very similar to prenuptial agreements in that they usually set the terms of how assets will be split in a divorce. 
The main difference being that postnuptial agreements is signed after the couple is already married. But it's not just about preparing for divorce. The article continues, which no one wants to consider in the first day of wedded bliss. The idea of postnuptial agreements is to make official all the ways you will share your money and what money you will keep separate throughout your marriage. This can give each spouse specific boundaries for what they can spend or save as they please versus what requires a conversation, which can be good for peace of mind, but also smart if you have vastly different approaches to money. Now, in the meantime, be sure to check out the full article. I did not do this justice at all. There are a lot more experts in that article. There's a lot more topics to discuss, but I really want to point this out. And as I said before, I'm going to leave a link in the description below. I will also leave a link to Kaylin's website if you would like to check out her offering in the meantime until she comes onto the show. Kaylin, I'm talking to you. Let's get you on here. Now, as we wrap up, my final thoughts on the subject is this. We first must seek God and ask for guidance. Then we must pray for discernment because as we all know, when the lines are kind of gray in these areas here, it is our intent that adds clarity to our spirits. Now, obviously, as we discuss, there are some pros and some cons to the situation. In some financial situations, such as protecting your children's assets, that's what we're supposed to do. It says in Proverbs, a good man leaves an inheritance for their children's children. And if we lose that inheritance because we didn't complete the right documentation, is that really being in line with the word of God? Yet, if our intent is to hoard our money and keep as much of it to ourselves out of fear of divorce, are we putting our trust in legal documents and not in the Lord? See, that's not biblically based at all. So what I want all you to do, I want you to stay tuned because we are going to go deeper into this subject, God willing, with Kaylin and get some of your questions answered. In the meantime, just continue to ask yourself, what would God want me to do? And what does the Bible say? And what does my relationship look like? Not just today, but in 5, 10, 20, and until forever. Now, if you need help with your financial situation and need to plan, be sure to reach out to us by going to our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com. The website again is www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule your consultation. We'll have more booking and contact information at the end of the show, so be sure you listen to the end. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining me for another episode of Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. Now, be sure to like the episode and comment below what you would do differently after listening to the show. Are you going to get a prenuptial agreement? Are you going to establish a postnuptial agreement? Well, I think that you should listen to our next episode and make your decision then. In the meantime, just turn over these ideas talk to your spouse, let's open up the lines of communication and let's align our finances with the word of God. And afterwards, head over to our merchandise store and pick up a shirt so everyone knows that you as a Christian, that your faith and your finances are not separate. Until next time, I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. I hope that you've been blessed. As always, this episode was created by A.B. Ridgeway, owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, 
a virtual and in-person fee-only advisor that believes that financial advice should have God in it. If you need help figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule a free consultation. New episodes are available every Friday, so be sure to subscribe. You can also listen to our podcast on your favorite platforms, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Or simply visit our website and join our family. I am A.B. Ridgway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. Elijah Ridgway is an investment advisor representative and owner of A.B. Ridgway Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor which produces a podcast show and makes it available on his website and through other distribution channels. Elijah Ridgway and any guests on the podcast are providing their own views and opinion are not necessarily the views and opinions of A.B. Ridgway Wealth Management. Nothing on the podcast should be construed as solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any specific security. Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become A.B. Ridgway Wealth Management client pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management may hold positions and securities discussed in the podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk and may lose money. Financial advisors say the Darnest Thing podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Instead, please consult a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, and or conduct your own due diligence.